XO. The grab bag part two. Or seven short segments for your perusal and enjoyment. Reenacted by Cat. You really hurt me when we fight, Keith. You fight dirty. You fight really fucking dirty and it destroys me. I would never criticize you and purposely try to hurt you the way you do to me because I care about you but so many times you bring it to the next level with what seems to be no concern as to what your words do to me. <sighs> you don't do that to someone that you claim to love. I'm not saying that we should just pretend everyone is great and gloss over their faults, but <laughs> Jesus Keith, you fucking bash my head in. Do you realize how manipulative you are? You go for the jugular the moment that you feel out of control. I'm just tired of my mom catching me crying over you every time that she calls me. I don't want to have to learn how to fight dirty just so I can hold my own against you. And that's what I'd have to do. I'd have to be as mean and as hurtful as you are, just so I don't buckle under you. And I just don't ever want to be as hurtful to someone I care about as you are to me. you say to me in anger are unforgivable. And what's worse, 
any conversation about the conflicts between us, or even any attempt to examine the situation just leads to you blowing up all over again and shutting down. How can we ever get through anything if everything is fucking off limits with you? I feel like you want to hold me emotional hostage sometimes, and I'm just not going to take that shit. Do you think I'm some sort of insignificant girl you can just bully around? Do you realize that all the things that you claim to love about me, my independence, my strength, my passion, are the exact fucking things that cause you to fight with me the hardest? After three months, I'm seeing how much you really value me and <laughs> it's pitiful that I ever confused it with love. I can't even imagine speaking with you again, let alone staying in this relationship. You don't deserve me, Keith. Relationships, they're supposed to be good, they're supposed to be positive, you're supposed to contribute positively to each other's lives. <laughs> Funny thing is, you're not even the worst boyfriend I ever had, just the most surprisingly bad. I really thought you were a good guy, a great guy in fact. I loved your outlook on the world. I just really like seeing things through your eyes. I didn't see this coming. But I guess we really aren't cut out for each other. You hurt me so bad, Keith. I mean, I'm sure I hurt you too. I really am sorry for that. I feel hopeless and angry and hurt and just, just very much alone. Go ahead and think that this is some melodramatic, over-emotional female bullshit all you want because pretty soon it's going to be the only female bullshit you're never, ever, going to have the privilege of dealing with again. Part 2 My Very Own Diary <clears throat> Here is a book I found in the closet at my mom's house called My Very Own Diary. And it has a pink cover, and it's covered in drawings of cute teddy bears. And I wrote on the front, STAY OUT! Big exclamation point. Because there's all kinds of important shit in here. Let's take a gander, shall we? My very own diary. So this thing, it's uh, basically just a fill-in-the-blanks book. This book was written by Keith A. McNally. It was started on Monday, April 11th, 1988. Dear Diary, Well, you're probably wondering who I am, so I will introduce myself. My full name is Keith Andrew McNally, and my nickname is Cam. I was born on September 18th, 1979 in Fredericton, New Brunswick. When I was born, I was 21 inches long and weighed 8 pounds and 0 ounces. My hair is dark blonde, straight and short. My eyes are 
Kazel. Well, I have to go now, but I will write again soon. Love, Keith. And I taped in the book an actual lock of my hair. That is kind of fucked. It is like really, really blonde. And then it turned brown, and now it's practically black. The last step before gray. Colors. Here are my favorite colors. Number one, red. Number two, green. Number three, gray. Number four, black. My favorite foods include bananas, candy, bread, pizza, and single F muffin. My favorite TV shows, movies, or plays include Alf and the Smurfs. Dear Diary, Hi, it's me again. I think it's time for me to tell you about my family now. My father's name is Neil and my mother's name is Barbara. My father is a lawyer and my mother is a lawyer. I have one brother and zero sisters. Their names and ages are Mark, six. The name of my school is North Devon. I'm in grade three. Here's a story I wrote. One morning I woke up and found out that I was only five inches tall. My cat almost eat me. My brother spit on me and I got bigger. Then I went to school. Sorry. Then I went to skull. The end. And apparently I was too fucking lazy to fill out the rest of this book. So that's the end of the story of my very own diary. Part 3. Hanging out at Spooky's house. When I lived in New York, I knew a guy named Spooky, who now lives in Australia. And he gave me a bunch of footage of one of his trips to Australia that I've been sitting on for a long time. I've been meaning to edit it, but just things keep coming up, and swear to God, I'll get this shit done someday. But one day I went over to his place, and we just watched through the footage while he talked about it and explained what was going on. We ended up blabbing about Australia for a couple hours, so, you know, we got a little off topic here and again. So these are some random clips of stuff that we talked about. Come on, boys! I think that's the difference uh, between guys and girls is 
Like, guys will just, like, yeah, let's go do it, yeah. I don't see any reason why I can't climb that cliff in these shoes. That's like, I remember when the Jackass movie first came out, that's definitely what my thinking after I got out of the theater was like, if there were only women in the history of the world, that movie would never have got made. <laughs> Maybe some would say that's not saying very much, but I was proud of our fucking gender that, yeah, that yeah. we did all that dumb shit. That's why we got to the moon. Exactly, right? You know? Moon was just a well-funded episode of Jackass. You need to go there. <laughs> yeah, really, exactly. <laughs> What's the point? Certainly didn't need to play golf. That's the example I was thinking of. Is even in my lifetime, I've noticed like, uh, like the playground I grew up near was just like concrete and you know they wouldn't do that anymore yeah oh god yeah i've got uh in second grade i broke my arm and uh most of the bones in my left hand playing king of the mountain on uh this like two and a half story tall piece of playground equipment constructed of like i swear it was like uh railroad ties rebar and uh and like pipe fittings and I got pushed off and fell like two stories onto my back with my arm tucked up under me. And like, yeah, you're not gonna be on a piece of playground equipment now that is over a child's head high if it doesn't have some sort of weird netting keeping you from committing suicide off of it, you know? idea that I want to have at the Golden Gate Bridge? No, I... A suicide booth where if you're gonna suicide you just grab this video camera and you know it doesn't record anything not SD cards or anything like that it would have to broadcast and only you know it would have to be something proprietary that would make it not worth stealing. And uh, you know and uh, what are they what is it like 20 people a year? It's significant, and you put it out there for a month, you're getting somebody, I feel like. Uh, you know, but if you could just do a little talk and then hold the camera on the way down. I do the best I can not to worry about things. How awesome would that be? That'd be fucked up. Be and we would be messed up, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, as far as like riveting uh, human drama, 
mean, I feel, I mean, I don't know. Is it, I, is it encouraging? Yeah, I mean, if you can be first person committing suicide from a first person perspective, then I mean, that would just be amazing. Part four, bus driver. Well, I'll tell you what I've been thinking lately. I was thinking it might be nice to, uh, to be a bus driver. Hmm. Yep, I went down to the old bus driver place, got one of those forms, filled it out, and uh, I was wondering if you could take it down there for me and, uh, you know, like give it to them, because you just have a nicer look, and I want them to think they're hiring you. I gotcha. I gotcha. That's fair. That's fair. Did you uh, know how to drive at all? I didn't think you did. I've driven tractors over Children of the Corn that one time. You remember that? That one time. That was crazy. All those Children of the Corn and I ran them over with the tractor. And thank God you did. Yeah, I saved everyone. I I mean, I don't want to be to brag or whatever, but, you know. Yeah. I fucking killed them good. You did. I put you also killed a lot of the people that came with us, though. I mean, I'm not complaining by any stretch, because you did, you did get the children, and without that, you probably, we probably all would have died. But seven or eight of the people that came with us into that were killed by you as well. And I might add, after you had killed the children of the corn, on the way home. I think and at least that was awkward because it, it was like a couple hours, and we'd all calm down, and then the little incident and. You know, I'm just, I'm just saying, it was, it, it was weird for all of us, and I know Joe doesn't look at you the same way anymore, because, you know. Because I killed his brother? Yeah! I think that kid had a death son. wish. I yeah. think they were looking for it. I think they were playing near the tractor, not running nearly fast enough. Like, those little fucking piddly running, they, they wanted it. Yeah. They were asking for it. Yeah, they had been stabbed several times earlier in the day, so they were going a little slow. By the children who I saved them from. I know, but again, I'm not... Listen, what I said right off, I'm not upset. We needed that. That was that was key. But it was it was just after. You got, you got a little cocky, and you were literally, like, chasing them down with the tractor and saying, I saved everyone. I rule. My dick's bigger than all your heads. And, like, all just weird shit. And then... Well, you know, you know how accidents uh, happen. You know how people say drunkenness is not a defense. I I've never ascribed to that at all. I think it's a very fine defense, and I think it pretty much excuses everything I did that day, including the heroics. Frankly, I would have shit myself. Yeah, right. All right. It's I'm just, just just the I, price I'm you pay. Just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that was a tractor uh, meant to be driven by one person. You managed to kill about. 50 people. Most of them evil, I know, I know. Well, but a bus, they're like contained within it, so. But after we got the children of the corn, those parents of the corn integrated pretty well into the community. I think that balances out our population numbers. And some of them are pretty hot. 
Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You shouldn't be a bus driver. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess you're right. I know, right? Like, awkward. Awkward. Part 5. The Sleigh Ride A few episodes ago I talked about A Life Well Wasted, the show by Robert Ashley. I made this introduction clip that I didn't end up using to help explain who he is. This is from an old podcast called GFW Radio that he was on. Just a story about him growing up in Texas that I always really liked. And if you like this music, it's by his band that's called I Come to Shanghai. I did a lot of crazy stuff. I like growing up in a little small town called Grand Prairie, Texas. I was always under the impression that being cool meant being like the people on TV, but that was not exactly the community standard of cool. So if you, you know, mimic MTV and show up to your middle school in Grand Prairie, Texas, totally crossed out, not mm-hmm. not cool. Backwards no. overalls. So. You actually did that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Nice. Let's talk about, now that we're going here, do you want to talk about your, your history as, a, as an amateur wrestler? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and your move really? What? No. Dude, the sleigh ride, man. He would dress up as Santa Claus, and he had a move called the sleigh ride, but S-L-A-Y. <laughs> All of our friends were really into wrestling, and they had a backyard wrestling thing. And we would like show up to the park and, you know, all of, we would have like a couple of our, you know, bands play and, and, uh, and, and people would wrestle and hurt each other until the cops showed up and told us to go home after being like baffled that we weren't drinking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I would dress up as Santa and my character was Satanic Santa. And, uh, and, and my killer, my killer move was the sleigh ride, but it was really bad because I was just sitting on people. And one time I sat (laughs) and I was a pretty big guy. I mean, I'm a a big guy now, but I was like, I was on a McDonald's diet. I was, I worked at a seven 11 and I drank Slurpees all day. And then I ate at the McDonald's across the street. (laughs) Um, But I felt bad because at one time I I sat on my best friend, Jacob, and, and he really got hurt and like knocked the wind out of him.
but he tried to come after me, uh, you know, and he's pretty, he's got no reach with his arms. And so he kept on trying to punch me and I was just pushing him back and back and back until he tripped and like hit his head. And it was, a, oh, it was a disaster and he hated me for a couple of days. I know. He was he the first recipient of the sleigh ride? No. No, the other guys were like kind of into wrestling and into getting hurt. His first passenger, rather. Yeah. If we have, <laughs> it when was, did this become the white trash podcast? I don't <laughs> when when all the white trash started showing up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Part 6. These are entries from a Twitter account called Shit My Dad Says. It's written by a guy named Justin who's 29 years old, who lives with his 73-year-old dad. He writes down the things that his dad says, and for some reason he's following only LeVar Burton. We're out of grape nuts. No, what's left is for me. Sorry, I should have said you're out of grape nuts. Everybody's broke, so here's the rule for Christmas this year. If you still shit your pants, you get a present. Otherwise, tough shit. No, tell him we're not doing Christmas dinner at a casino. Don't be an ass about it, but tell them why it's a fucking stupid idea. A mule kicked Uncle Bob once. Broke his ribs. He punched it in the face. My point? You have an ingrown fucking toenail. Stop bitching. You look just like Stephen Hawking. Relax, I meant like a non-paralyzed version of him. Feel better? Well, fine, forget I said it. Son, no one gives a shit about all the things your cell phone does. You didn't invent it, you just bought it. Anybody can do that. Nobody is that important. They eat, shit, and screw just like you. Well, maybe not shit like you, you got those stomach problems. I wanted to see Detroit win. I've been there. It's like God took a shit on a parking lot. They deserve some good news. We didn't have a prom. Dancing wasn't allowed. What's Footloose? That's the plot of the movie? That sounds like a pile of shit. You're being fucking dramatic. You own a TV and an air mattress. It's not exactly what I'd call a lot to lose. A scar ain't 13 goddamn stitches. 
I'll introduce you to men with real scars and we'll all laugh at your fucking 13 stitches together. No, you cannot borrow my t-shirt. How about instead of standing there looking shocked, you do your fucking laundry? Don't touch the bacon, it's not done yet. You let me handle the bacon and I'll let you handle whatever it is you do, I guess nothing. Love this Mrs. Dash, that bitch can make spices. Jesus Joni, it's a joke. I was making a joke. Mrs. Dash isn't even real, damn it. The dog is not bored, it's a fucking dog. It's not like he's waiting for me to give him a fucking Rubik's Cube, he's a goddamn dog. It's water and plants, Justin. You just take a goddamn hose and you put it over the plant. You don't even pay rent, just do it. Shit. Part 7. Buzz, the punkest fish that ever lived. This is a story that my cousin told me back in my hometown while we were walking down the street in the middle of winter about a fish he owned that took some abuse from the party house that he lived in. And on the surface I like it because animal cruelty is hilarious. But there's another level to this where it was right after his mom died and he was taking it harder than I think he let on. His dad had left the house. He was just him left alone in their old house. So people just kept moving in and things were kind of gradually falling apart and this poor fish just happened to be in that house at the time. The end of this story is extremely windy. I thought I lost the whole thing, it was so windy, but I did the best I could to try to make it listenable. But this is the last segment, so if the wind sound is too much and you feel like you gotta jump ship, don't sweat it. There's, this is the last one. can't remember whether he was Ray Oliver or what the fuck his name was. But he was the, we used to call him the punkest fish ever. <laughs> so where did you get that fish from anyway? Alright. Uh, you remember Lori Baker? Used I, to live next to us? Right. Maybe not. She was the one, she was the poor lady who was uh, mentally unhinged at mom's funeral. Right. And nobody wanted her to get up and do the spiel. The funeral spiel. Anyway, she had these two fish. And they didn't have any fucking names. They were average goldfish. And she just sort of dumped them on, on mom. And I, uh, after mom died, dad took off. 
And I was living at home with these damn fish, and I hated them because it was like, oh, I gotta remember to feed these fucking fish. And I don't want these fucking fish. What are they doing in my kitchen? So anyway, yeah, I put up with the fish for like two or three months. I don't even know why I did it. I was on the phone one morning talking to some girl that I was seeing at the time. And I just kept telling her that I hated these fucking fish. And I was making coffee. And while I was making coffee, I noticed this. There was a box of pineapple tang <laughs> in the fucking cupboard. And I wasn't going to drink it. So I fucking took it out and I opened the pouch and I threw it in the fish tank and stirred it up. And the fish didn't really seem to notice. <laughs> it didn't really seem to make a fucking difference. And then I came home the next day. And one of the fish was dead. <laughs> so I hauled the surviving fish out. And I cleaned the tank out and I made everything better. And fish number two seemed to be happy. Well, about this time, I was working at a... Working at a shitty restaurant and I was hanging out with a bunch of the local punks downtown. And one of them... One of them's name is Anders and he's a real good buddy of mine. Uh, he's apparently living in Thailand now. Had nowhere to live. I was like, listen, dude, you're a good guy. We drink a lot, blah, 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 blah. You can come and stay in my spare room. I kept telling him how much I hated the damn fish. Like, do you remember my old kitchen? Yeah. The dishwasher was beside the fridge and the fish tank was on top of the dishwasher. Because we drank a lot and knew a lot of people, people just invariably started ending up at our place. <laughs> and drinking copious amounts and being idiots. So it started to become a habit of whenever you got a beer out of the fridge, you would crack it and pour it in the tank for the fish. And well, fuck, fish tank got pretty fucking disgusting. <laughs> so this thing ended up being like fucking, it was a good fucking nine inches long. He was a big fucking fish. But during these parties, people started doing weird things to the fish. Like, whoever had the photo, has the photographs, I wish, would step forward, because there was like a million pictures of people running around with the fish hanging out of their mouth. <laughs> Boys got bored one night and did a blade session, and every time they exhaled, they would exhale into the air exchanger. <laughs> now, you'd think the fish would die through this, but it didn't. In fact, it started to get angry at people and would start biting people if you came anywhere near, like, put your hand in the water. It was a Thursday night, the first time that the fish died. Buzz, that's what we named him. <laughs> we named him Buzz. Anders had Buzz in his mouth. He hauled him out and he threw him in his mouth and everything was fine and he was doing poses for the camera, like a rock star. And he was standing at the top of my stairs and he went to spit the fish into his hand and he missed. And then the fish must have hit, like there was only like 10 steps, but he must have hit at least six of them on the way down. Anders ran down, grabs the fish, and he was drunk enough that he fell into the front door while he was doing it. Grabs the fish, runs back upstairs, throws him in the tank, and I was on the phone again with the chick. Fish didn't move. I'm like, dude, look what you fucking did. You killed the goddamn fish. And he's like, no, no, man, it's okay. And the fish wasn't fucking, he was belly up. <laughs> I'm like, fucking asshole, killed the fish. He reaches in the tank, grabs the fish behind the gills, and he starts running it back and forth through the water like a little kid with a fucking toy submarine. And I'm like, dude, just fucking give it up. Fish is dead. No, 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 fuck off. Fish will be fine. And sure enough, fucking after about fucking 10 minutes, 
he let it go and the fish fucking sort of turned sideways swam fucking retarded like down to the bottom of the tank and laid there for a bit but it was breathing its gills were going and i'm like you fucking idiot how did you do that it's all right and everybody fucking celebrated and had a beer during this time we moved another couple people into the house well we moved one other person into the house officially technically we ended up with half a fucking city living there one of them was this guy jeremy do you remember no that's right you weren't into the punk scene back then there was a guy who used to write for the punk scenes called Mr. Rotten. And his name was Jeremy Curry. Fucking funny guy. <laughs> He's got serious fucking... Serious issues. Jeremy, uh... Jeremy was all into the fucking skinhead movement. Which was big at the time. And he bought himself a brand new tea knife. And he thought it was the coolest thing. And he kept looking at it and showing it to me. And look at my tea knife. Dude, it's a fucking knife. But look, it goes in my knuckles. It's like brass knuckles. Like, but with a knife and he got drunk and decided that he was going to test the the tea knife out on buzz i'm like fuck what are you doing and fucking he's uh, he's sitting out in the kitchen beer in hand and he threw some fish food on the top of the tank he's holding his beer and holding his tea knife and the fish came up and he stabbed it in the side of the head and it went in like you know like it went through the fish's head like the point of the knife was coming out the other side and he hauls the fish out and it's flapping around and he threw it in and it just swam around and retarded for a bit but it lived jesus <laughs> that fish fucking survived some shit it was about this time that i was like you know what fucking fish can drink fish can fucking smoke pot fish fucking has survived everything we've done to it and i started telling everybody just all right as much as i hated the fucking fish you know i'm starting to grow kind of accustomed to them no more fucking with the fish and everybody was like all right no more fucking with the fish now i was still working at the shitty fucking restaurant and uh, the boys would come get me after work and invariably someone would have bought beer so one i had fucking i don't even remember what night it was but the boys came to get me from work and they drove me home and i was hey what's going on they're like yeah we got beer in the house Woohoo! and then i'm like who's all there oh there's like fucking 15 people there. I'm like, what the fuck, man? I just want to sleep. 15 people. I was fuck. I get home, kick my shoes off, threw my coat in the fucking, in the closet. I make my way through the kitchen and I open the fridge and I grab a beer and I close the fridge door and I look and I'm like, hey, someone cleaned the fish tank. Cool. I was just about to walk away and I'm like, where the fuck is the fish? So I look in the tank and he's floating belly up. I'm like, what? What the fuck? So I spent the next half hour yelling at everybody to, you know, you're all assholes, you fucking killed Buzz, you cunt. And they all like, oh, I'm sorry, man, I don't know what fucking happened. He must have just died. That fish wasn't just going to die. <laughs> fuck him. Fuck that. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's what I was saying to people. It was like, there's no way that fish just fucking died. That, you know, you fucking cunt. Somebody did something to the fish. And I didn't find out until... It would have been like three months later. There was a guy from Ormocto who we used to party with named Jamie Strobridge who didn't know the rule. And the last time he had been partying with us was, you know, free fucking rain on the fish. Do what you want to it. But he was there that night and he was drinking and he decided the fish didn't need beer. And fuck this whole diluting your drink in the fucking fish tank. He uh, pulled the fish out, put it like it was a big fish so put its mouth over the fucking top of a fucking tequila bottle 
and turned it upside down. So the fish was breathing tequila for a couple seconds. Fish can't survive. Fuck, tequila does horrible things to me, so I don't want to know what it did to that fucking poor, poor fish. And uh, apparently they did everything. Like, they tried the fucking run the fish back and forth through the fuck, clean the fish tank out, have them clean water. They did everything for that fish. Apparently my buddy George Burgess fucking almost lost his mind during this whole thing and he was like flipping out and he started, he ended up, you know those movies where someone's doing the whole resuscitation mouth to mouth fucking heart pumping thing. No, damn you, you can't die. Well, George fucking did that with the fish for about a 45 minutes they said and then he just lost it and started throwing the fish against the wall (laughs) the only person in the house who wasn't present was Tim Evans and he was just drunk and passed out and fucking in the corner and the rest of us fucking went to the bathroom you you got a picture there's like fucking 14 punks crammed into my little tiny bathroom with their hats off fucking having a moment of silence for the fucking fish and I remember pouring a bit of beer in the toilet and flush. So that's the story of Buzz, the punkest fish that ever lived. <laughs> that is nice. Man. You know what's weird too is that I never never occurred to me about that story last time you told it to me. But it's definitely not coincidence that like that was right after your mom died. Things were just kinda getting fucked up and that fish just happened to live that, in that house. That fish just happened to fucking have to deal with me. <laughs> bag part two for more shows visit keithcourage.com
gonna put you out Cause you're not in This will only take a while Cause I only wanna be your Saturday Sayer I can be that Saturday Sayer Wake him 